yeah, I'll just say it's been a crazy couple weeks for me. <laughs> um, it, it's been a lot to um, try to study for this section. <clears throat> it's been interesting uh, for me personally, uh, reading through the story of uh, Lazarus and uh, his resurrection in light of some of our family members um, who have COVID and uh, some of them going to the hospital recently and, and just kind of thinking about death um, as of recently. Um, and so uh, we're going to be going over uh, chapter 11 verses one through 43 roughly. And there is so much in this chapter. Um, it's I'm not going to do it justice in the limited time that we have here, just because there's uh, so many nuances, so many uh, different things that the gospel writer is doing with so many different word plays and um, just bringing things up to our minds to be uh, to remember things that have happened earlier in the gospel. Um, so uh, it's so rich and full, and unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to dig into all of its richness. So um, we're only going to be able to, to look at um, some main points. Hopefully, we'll have uh, some better understanding of how funerals took place uh, in the ancient time, um, and, and my heart would be that we would um, have a better understanding of the person of Jesus and who God is. Um, and in that, we might grow in our faith and believe um, in Jesus and be inclined to share this truth with others. So before I go any further, I'm just going to pray real quick. Uh, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together, um, even though we are in separate um, places. Uh, proximity doesn't seem to be a thing that is um, hard for you and difficult for you. You are so powerful. You are so amazing that uh, you're able to allow us to have uh, communion here in unity uh, through the technology. I pray, Lord, that you please uh, use me to speak clearly and speak well. I pray, Lord, that um, there would be no issues with the technology as we try to learn about you, Jesus. Help us to grow in our faith. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, make known to us the scriptures, even as we are reading now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to uh, chapter 10, uh, sorry, 11. Um, and so a few things to just kind of expect in these verses. Um, we see some disciples um, in different stages of their belief of who Jesus is, expect to see a funeral, uh, expect a miracle, namely that Jesus right, uh, raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, we're going to see a little bit of what uh, love looks like from Jesus. Uh, a main point um, is going to be that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Um, I'm going to talk about that uh, many times uh, throughout today. Um, so let's just do a quick uh, review of uh, the previous chapter. I'm just going to read some select verses. Um, and uh, starting in verse 10, uh, Jesus uh, calls, well, he says this of himself, the sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my father's hand. I'm sorry, out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. With this, the Jews picked up stones and uh, tried to stone him. And again, they sought to arrest them, but Jesus escaped from their hands. And it's at this point that Jesus uh, went across to the Jordan area. So um, the huge emphasis on, on Jesus being the good shepherd, and it's only through him that we have eternal life. And the words that they, hey, Melissa, can you put in headphones, please? Or maybe turn down a little bit. Sorry. Um, and it's um, uh, with the words that Jesus was using here that provoked uh, the Jews to uh, try to stone him, to kill him. Um, and, and with that, he escapes. And so that's kind of the context that we're coming in. And that's important because it, it affects um, what the disciples um, say in their interaction with Jesus. So now going into chapter 11, verse 1. Now there was a, a certain man who was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Uh, that verse I'm going to read like four times. Uh, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, you may be thinking, when did Mary wipe Jesus's feet with her hair? Well, up until this point in the story in the Gospel of John, um, that hasn't happened. Um, uh, the Gospel writer has just given us a little uh, preview of something that's actually going to happen in the next chapter, in chapter 12. Um, and at first hearing of Lazarus's illness, Jesus supernaturally knew that his, that this illness uh, was not going to lead to death, um, both physically and supernaturally, uh, in terms of uh, spiritually. Um, I said, uh, please note that it, it was clearly um, known to the sisters that Jesus loved uh, Lazarus, and it in this love that Jesus moves forward with his mission to bring glory to God, and in doing so, brings glory to himself, that he might ultimately be glorified um, at his own resurrection. So in verse 5, um, now Jesus loved Martha and his sisters and Lazarus. And we see that John here is affirming on um, this special relationship that Jesus has with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Uh, for most of us, when we hear of Martha and Mary, uh, for any of us who have been a believer for a little while, um, might quickly be reminded of the story uh, in Luke 10, um, starting at verse 38. And I'll just read it here just so we can be reminded of it. And uh, this is Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary 
who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So many of us, when we think of Mary, uh, we, we uh, immediately think of this story as, um, uh, sorry, not Mary. When we think of Martha, we think of her being uh, distracted with much serving, right? That is often the thing um, that we uh, think about and, and talk about often. And, um, and this is something I'm going to come back to at the end of this section. Um, but um, Martha, being the older sister in this context, took on of the responsibility of of uh, being in charge and being um, uh, attuned to the hospitality needs. Martha was distracted, yes, um, but she could have been listening um, and at the Lord's feet um, when Jesus was there at her house. Mary, on the other hand, was sitting and listening to the teaching of Jesus, um, which was the good portion. And as I said, as the story unfolds, we're going to see what we learn about these two women a little bit later. But just wanted to provide a little bit of uh, history about those two and, and Jesus. So going on in verse 6. So when they... Um, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed for two days longer in the place where he was. After he said to them, to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 days, 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The disciples are clearly concerned for Jesus's safety as well as their own. Um, as they said, um, it's Jesus, do you really want to go back there? Do you really want to go to the place where they're literally about to throw stones at you to kill you? Um, is, that what you is that what you're saying is that what you want to do? And Jesus, when he says here, when he's, he's talking about 12 hours in the day, if, I mean, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. And what Jesus is simply saying is that it's safe for them to do this. It is still daytime in which um, it is appropriate for Jesus to continue on mission. Uh, the hour has not yet come. It's not uh, nighttime yet. And we, we will see this a little bit of a foreshadowing later when that's when um, they come to arrest him um, in the cover of darkness. It's, it's not night yet. And he says it's still it's still okay for us to do this. It's still safe. But I don't think that the disciples quite understand that uh, Jesus is saying that it's safe and okay for them to go. Um, verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Oftentimes, Jesus's words um, are misunderstood. And Jesus says, our friend Lazarus, he has, uh, he's fallen asleep, but I'm, I'm going to go wake him up. And his disciples 
probably still concerned about their safety. They said, Lord, if, if, he's, if he's taking a nap, it's probably good for him. It's healthy for him. Like he, he's going to recover. Maybe you don't need to go there after all, Jesus. And Jesus says that um, he speaks plainly. He says, well, actually, Lazarus is, is dead. He's like dead, dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there. So this is uh, a supernatural understanding that Jesus had in the same way that when the messengers told uh, Jesus of Lazarus's um, illness, he supernaturally knew that this was a situation that wasn't going to lead to Lazarus's um, ultimate physical death at the moment. And here's a disciple, uh, Thomas, who is not normally known for taking lead, but in this case, he, he kind of steps up and, and he says something really interesting. And he says to his disciples, all right, let's go that we may die with him. I think that they're just concerned about their safety. You know, we try to convince Jesus to not go. He still wants to go. We know that there's a safety, physical um, well-being concerns. And, and, and Thomas, um, not denying Jesus right now, but saying, okay, I, I'll go with you. But the I, irony is that later they will um, actually all end up uh, turning away from Jesus when, when he's arrested for a little while uh, out of fear. So they do have a bit of faith in trusting Jesus and following him, even to the point of being okay with um, the idea of them dying with him. But they still are missing um, what Jesus says, that it's not that time. It, it is time for us to be on mission, and it's not Jesus's hour for anything bad to happen. Um, yeah, so I, as a reminder, going back to verse 4, that this illness um, doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God. The disciples didn't believe this or they're they're missing um some parts of this they um it's just so awesome to see that the disciples are in so many different places as they are growing in their faith some believe right away but then don't believe later jesus tells them very clearly something and then they don't quite get it i feel like that's how we are oftentimes but yet god is still very patient with us if people believe and follow Jesus, he is going to be glorified. So in this scenario, if uh, Jesus does a miracle, Jesus is glorified if they believe, and yet uh, the God the Father is also glorified. Jesus is glad that for their sake, the disciples' sake, that they might believe. Uh, he was glad that he wasn't there. So before we go on to the next section, let's just talk a little bit about uh, funerals. Uh, funerals are just uh, no fun, in my opinion. Um, these days, a funeral um, is very different than what it's like uh, in the ancient days. These days, when a person dies, uh, we have embalming methods, we have refrigerators, um, we have this uh, technology and methods that preserve the body and significantly slow the rate of decomposition, which is just a natural thing that occurs. In ancient days, they didn't really have, or maybe the Egyptians had some sort of embalming method, but, but the Jews didn't really have this sort of thing. Um, and so what that meant is that uh, when a person died, their bodies were buried very quickly. And so it's likely that um, Lazarus was buried um, the same day um, of his death. 
Um, besides some of the refrigeration and embalming methods, uh, some of the significant differences, um, back then uh, a funeral was a very significant event that would involve the community. Uh, in the case of Lazarus, we'll see that many of the Jews came to participate. Uh, Bethany was uh, only two miles uh, away from Jerusalem. So uh, it seems that if Jews from Jerusalem, uh, meaning uh, of Jewish um, uh, leaders, sorry, Pharisees, Sadducees, that sort of thing, those types of Jews, um, if they are visiting this family in light of Lazarus's death, uh, it must mean that this family was of some prominence um, and had some influence. Um, and we'll see that there were many of them, according to this verse. Um, it was often, it was normal that mourners would, would uh, visit and they would stay for seven days. And the type of mourning that would uh, occur was a a loud wailing, a loud crying, almost un, unconsolable type of um, crying. It, it, this was just part of how they mourned for seven days, so much so uh, that they would even hire professional mourners that would help lead these types of mourning sessions. So when uh, Jesus arrives on scene, Lazarus has already been in the tomb for, uh, or in the uh, tomb for four days. So it was right in the middle of this type of mourning. And even after these seven days, there was an additional 30 days of, a, of different types of mourning that, that would take place. Very different than how we do it now. But just to give you a little bit of information as we go into this next section, verse 17. And when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary, Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, excuse me, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will, will sorry, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Martha speaks to Jesus um, and as she does this, she demonstrates that she does have uh, faith that if Jesus was there, he could have and would have healed Lazarus. If only he was there, she says. Her understanding of Jesus was, I would suggest, limited and small in scope. Uh, when Jesus said, uh, Lazarus will, will rise again, Martha immediately thought that Jesus was referring to uh, an end time event in which there will be a resurrection of the dead. Sorry, I just moved my notes all over the place. Um, that there would be, a, a, yeah, a resurrection of the dead. So that's what she was thinking that Jesus was referring to when in actuality he was uh, referring to right now, but yet also a future resurrection. But notice that Jesus doesn't correct her uh, he doesn't say, hey, no, oh, sorry, let me stop you right there. Let, 
I'm actually here to raise Lazarus right now. Let's go do that. Instead, he addresses a bigger issue uh, that Martha's acknowledgement of the future resurrection, it, it is a good thing, but she doesn't recognize Jesus's role in it. She acknowledges that, that uh, God the Father hears Jesus's prayers and, he, and there's something about that, but doesn't quite see and doesn't acknowledge Jesus's role in it. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. This type of I am wording we've seen throughout the gospel. In chapter 6, uh, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. And in 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And again, here, 11, 25, he calls himself uh, the resurrection and life. Jesus is the resurrection, and he is the life. Without Jesus, there is not a future resurrection. Uh, there is no hope for eternal life except through Jesus. This has been, been made abundantly clear as we read through the Gospel of John, and this is something that people have believed in. Some of the Jews um, not all the Jews, some of the, the uh, religious leaders, not all the religious leaders, but the reality is that this is good news. For those who believe in Jesus, there is a future hope. There is a future resurrection that we look forward to. So let me just go back. Why, why, are we, why is Jesus in this situation again? And just as a reminder, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus asked Mary, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? And she says, I believe. She says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. You are the one who has come into the world to save it. She's acknowledging those things. She's showing off a little bit of her theology. I don't know if you've caught on to that. She knows quite a bit, which is great, but still doesn't have a total, full, encompassing understanding of of who Jesus is completely. Yes, she knows these things, but it still doesn't quite see the, the big picture. Uh, as a commentator wrote, Mary should not be remembered um, for being distracted um, and by being busy with her hospitality, as we read earlier, but rather she should be um, remembered for her faithful proclamations right here right? She says, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. It's just, I thought that was really interesting and really profound because in our lives, for myself and for each of us, I don't think any of us want to be um, known for our mistakes, but rather be known, made known, um, be remembered, sorry, for um, our faithfulness and, and for the things that we've done well and that are pleasing to God. In verse 28, when Jesus had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus 
saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Notice that when Martha tells Mary that Jesus is calling for you, Mary gets up quickly. In the previous chapter, we, we heard that Jesus is the good shepherd and the uh, sheep know his voice. When sheep hear the great shepherd's voice, they, they obey. Notice that there's a difference between Martha and Mary in their interaction with Jesus. Martha had an opportunity to have some private time with Jesus, which allowed for them to have a conversation that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But Mary didn't have the same type of privacy. Mary says the same words to, to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Not sure how significant that is, but I do think it's worth noting. So let's think about this scene. Let's try to use our imaginations and visualize it. So here's, here's Mary, and she's just wailing and crying loud, just almost uncontrollably. Not only her, but then here's some Jews that, that are with her, maybe dozens or, or 50 or 100, we don't really know, but a crowd of Jews with her, and they're wailing uncontrollably in a similar manner, right? The scene would have been pretty chaotic, pretty emotional. It must have been quite a scene. Um, this, this word, when Jesus saw Mary and saw the, the Jews, he was deeply moved. In the Greek, it's, uh, it's one word. Um, and to be honest, <laughs> it's a very difficult uh, word to understand in, in this context. The word has uh, notions of being indignant, uh, of being angry. Uh, it's a word that is used to describe uh, the noise a horse makes when it snorts. So it, it seems that the that when Jesus is seeing the weeping of Mary and the weeping of the Jews, it caused um, himself to feel this deep emotion that has kind of all these connotations associated with it. And he felt this uh, in his human spirit. He allowed himself to feel this in his human spirit. And it says, let me go back real quick. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come also with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. So not only did he have this, this deep emotion with all these connotations associated with it, but he was greatly troubled or agitated or stirred up. In my mind, I, I want to ask the question, why? Why is Jesus feeling this way? I want to know why is he... Uh, why is there some anger in his feeling? Why, why is he feeling like all these emotions? And, and this is where I was saying it's, 
in my opinion, maybe it's not so clear. There's so many different understandings and ways that this could go in different commentators. There doesn't seem to be a unanimous understanding of this. So here are some of the things that um, I think could be happening here. Uh, I think perhaps Jesus felt um, sympathetic and empathetic. Uh, I wonder if the emotions around those um, uh, who were there in the crowd, if those emotions in the scene affected Jesus in the same way that it might affect uh, one of us, one of our emotions, if, uh, if someone is crying in front of us, or as we see sometimes in church when someone feels great emotion, we too feel sympathetic or feel moved to, uh, to cry with them. Perhaps Jesus was angry that the Jews' um, presence didn't allow Jesus to have a private resurrection with the family. This actually is something that happened with, uh, I think it's called uh, Jairus, Jairus, with the resurrection of Jairus in a different gospel where um, uh, Jesus had an opportunity to go into the house privately with the family and raise that person. Three, perhaps Jesus had a deep concern and indignation at the attitude of the mourners in that they completely misunderstood the nature of death and the person of, of the son of Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> completely misunderstood the nature of death and that of the person of the son. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, another thing could be that uh, perhaps Jesus was angry of the reality of the present life, which is inseparable from physical death and all the pain and emotions and suffering associated with it. Uh, I, the present moment, I would conclude that it's going to be a little bit of all of the above. I don't see very clearly how we can separate all of these different um, ideas. I do think that there are all of these things happening at the same time. One thing is for sure, though, that uh, Jesus is not a God who allows his emotions to go uncontrolled. Even though he was feeling this great emotion and he was troubled in his spirits, um, it didn't cause him to react in, in a way that was uncontrollable. So Jesus seeing uh, the scene with Mary and the Jews weeping uncontrollably, Jesus felt uh, deep emotion, indignation, anger, all the stuff, and he was troubled in his human spirit. Jesus asked, where have you laid him? Presumably talking to the sisters. And they said, Lord, come and see. Uh, there is more to this word here, come and see. I, I didn't really write any notes on it, but just kind of off the cuff, uh, this is something that we saw early in Jesus's ministry when um, he's talking to some of his disciples and they say, Lord, where are you staying? And, and Jesus come and see, right. And also uh, I think it's Nathaniel and uh, Philip um, when, when he's saying, come, come, I, I found basically the, uh, the Messiah who's come from Nazareth. And Philip says to him, uh, come and see, come and see like this, this wording. I wonder if there's something there, this found wording that John is trying to, to emphasize. And maybe there's something here in addition to all this other stuff that Jesus was feeling. Maybe the, this thought of come and see reminded him of the beginning of his ministry. Maybe he knows that this is going to be the miracle that Jesus does that is going to be the final straw that causes the Jewish leaders to um, decide that they're going to arrest him. Maybe he knows that his ministry is coming to an end. It's 
not so clear, but I, I wonder if there are some themes here. It could also be that, that uh, maybe um, Jesus is always coming, telling them to come and see, come to, to me, I am the one that provides life. And now Jesus is uh, being called to come see this person who is, who is dead, who is laying there, um, see the tomb, and, and maybe that's some sort of foreshadowing, or Jesus is as well aware of maybe what's going to happen, and, and it's provoking some emotions in him. In any case, they said, Lord, come and see, and after this, Jesus wept. We all know this to be the shortest verse in the Bible, but what is what about this is, is surprising. It's, it's revealing it's, uh, we don't have too many opportunities to see Jesus's emotions or what he does with them. And in this case, he wept. We should note that his weeping was, was not like the others. It wasn't this uncontrollable wailing or, or loud crying. His weeping was uh, considered a, a quiet weeping, the word that is used for, for Jesus. But I want to know, <laughs> why uh, why did Jesus weep? Why did he cry? Why did he feel this, this emotion that he felt earlier? And, and I think the conclusion um, in my mind is that uh, because he is a God of love, Jesus is a God of compassion. Uh, Jesus is not a God who doesn't feel emotions. Jesus uh, shares in their suffering. He mourned with those who were mourning. I think with all the emotions that we talked about earlier, with kind of all these different scenarios going on, I do think that there was just a, a, a deep emotion that was happening here that, and the word that was used um, communicates this, this uh, emotion that was just um, with, with um, <laughs> even now I'm, I'm trouble, having trouble finding a word. It's just inarticulate. Um, what Jesus was experiencing. And, and I think with this type of feeling and the emotion that was going on and the situation scenario and Jesus was showing um, his love, his compassion, his emotions, showing that he is yet fully human who feels, who sympathizes, but yet he is um, God who, who is in control, who's able to see that Above the physical, temporal, he, he is looking at things uh, from a supernatural, um, spiritual realm and foreseeing um, the future to come as well. He doesn't lose sight of his mission. It reminds me of Hebrews 4.15 when it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a God who's apathetic who doesn't feel, we have a God that does feel, who is sympathetic. So for this next section, I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes and envision these next verses. Just try to visualize the people. What are they wearing? Visualize, are they wearing makeup? Do they have mascara running down their face? How loud is, is the wailing, the crying? What is it cold? What's the temperature? So in verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again. It's the same wording as before. Uh, deeply um, felt lots of emotion, angry indignation. When, when he felt this, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, I did not, or did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You can open up your eyes now. I hope that, that you can picture a little bit of what's happening and, and the, uh, just the presence of the people and the tension and the crying. And then they're saying, Lord, don't, no, Lord, don't open that casket. Don't open that tomb. I don't, I don't know how many of you have ever smelt death. Um, maybe Jeff has, and it, it's unfortunately a smell that you will never forget. There is nothing quite like it. I, I hope that none of you ever experience it. I, I've, um, um, let's go with a nice story. I, I used to have a pool maintenance business and I was cleaning out this filtration system, which is filled with water, catches like leaves and stuff like that. And I remember like sticking my hand in there and taking out tons of leaves, tons of leaves. And I remember that there was a smell and I just could not understand what it was. And I was cleaning, I was cleaning. And I'm like, what is the smell? And then I realized that there was a dead rat in there. And um, at, this was like later after I stuck my hand in there several times and stirring things out. And, and, uh, and I realized like, oh my gosh, it's this rat. It's been dead there and it smells horrible horrible and you know what even after i tried washing my arm and my hand that smell stayed there for a long time it, it's just this horrible smell and this is what i'm sure martha was concerned about lord it's been four days the decomposition process has started there is an odor it is not wise to do this jesus lazarus was really really dead <laughs> at this point <laughs> but for Jesus, right? Let, let's go back. Let's just remember that all of the miracles that Jesus had, has done to this point, I was thinking about it, have just kind of increased in, in their um, supernatural um, rating. I don't know how else to describe it, but they're just um, more and more mind-blowing as we go along. And up until this point, yeah, Jesus um, healed one of the official's um, sons from a distance, but he didn't quite say that he was dead. We know from the other gospels that, that uh, he was able to raise um, a few or a couple from, from death. But for some reason, in this scenario, Lazarus has been dead for four days. I just kind of think it's just like, yeah, Jesus is able to raise those who maybe died the same day. But this one, uh, no one's going to argue uh, that there was a smell and Jesus was able to bring him back to life. Jesus's, or sorry, Lazarus's resurrection is a, a precursor um, and also a foreshadowing of what was to come when Jesus himself would uh, die and also be resurrected. And I think that, that this miracle took place to help them to set a precursor, as I said, uh, to help them to believe in the next one that was going to take place, which is Jesus's resurrection. 
we see um, in, the, in the next verses that um, I'm not going to cover, but basically um, some of the Jews or many of the Jews believed in Jesus, but not all of them. And just as a reminder, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's only through Jesus that we have a future hope of being, um, sorry, a future hope of being in a state of eternity with Jesus. Jesus is the eternal, uh, Jesus is the, <laughs> excuse me, he is um, the door. I was trying to combine different things. He is the good shepherd um, and we are his sheep and he is the one that opens the door um, for his sheep to enter.